0: The chief's kingdom will raise a banner above the national football league again for the second time in four seasons the lombardi trophy has a red and gold reflection here's the throw it's cut off Messi slides in safely and the royals take the lead bobby witt jr comes through City, baby, in 2026! Welcome to the Power & Light Podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Wannell, and this is episode 19. We're recording this September 5th on Tuesday, but you're going to be hearing it at the earliest Wednesday, September 6th, and you know what that means Well, hopefully, at least hopefully you do. That means NFL football is one day away. We've waited for so long, ever since the Chiefs hoisted the Lombardi in Glendale, Arizona. We've been counting down to this day. Thursday night, the Lions versus the Chiefs in Arrowhead. It's going to be great, and we're excited for college football to be back, but also the NFL to officially be back this Thursday. I'm joined by a very special guest to me as a guest host, my father, Rob Linnell. How are you doing today? Doing great, happy to be back. Appreciate you having me on the show. So, like I said, college football week one, quite a f- the official week one, we have week zero before that, just happened, and we ended with, I, I would say we ended with quite a game in a, with Duke versus Clemson. We'll talk about that in just a second, but the entire weekend was Special because college football is back, and we saw that with upsets and with big wins and blowouts. Even though it was the, I don't know if people nicknamed this, but the blowout weekend, like there was big big blowouts, but there was also big upsets. How happy are you that college football is back? And what is the difference? What is the excitement? I have a different feeling when I watch college football versus NFL. Do you have the same kind of perspective? College football is one of the greatest events and in all of sport
1: you have to appreciate what the nfl infrastructure is with with the salary cap and the parity so it's it's wonderful to see every team in the nfl that could could make the playoffs every year but what's special about college football is that a david really can beat a goliath we've we've seen it in the past we've seen michigan lose to fcs schools although they were division two at the time a David can beat a Goliath and it is it is so much fun to watch college age kids pulling off a big big upset uh, college football
0: is just something special all right we're going to do well i'm going to do a different kind of revised version of speed run we're not going to input the music we're not going to alternate i'm just going to go through some of the big games in college football that were non-Big 12 and then we'll get to Big 12 after that so but you normally we have music in the
1: background we do this do you want me just to sing while it's new, it's, yeah it's
0: normally okay. just epic music okay all right no it's okay you don't have to sing all right okay all right we're going to start with Duke like I said unranked Duke upsets number nine Clemson 28 to 7 at halftime it was 7 to 6 but the second half Duke outscored Clemson 22 to 0 Paul Finnebaum SEC reporter, just put that on the side, announces this morning that the Davos Sweeney dynasty is over. USC and Heisman favorite Caleb Williams rolled Nevada 66 to 14. In the first half, Caleb Williams had more touchdowns, five, than incompletions, four. His stat line, he ended with 319 yards, 18 for 24 passing. The last person to win back to back Heisman's was Archie Griffin in 1974 and 1975. Wow, Everybody. Crazy. We'll be watching to see if Caleb Williams can become the next. Washington and another Heisman contender, Michael Penix Jr., rip apart Boise State 56 to 19 with an elite and unstoppable deep passing game. Drake May begins his quest to prove himself and steal the number one pick overall instead of Caleb Williams, with North Carolina taking down South Carolina 31-17. That was the college game day game. There was a ton of hype around it. And it turned out pretty, it turned out like a pretty elite college game day level game until the end. Quarterback competition in the offseason. So both Alabama and Ohio State had competitions. Their team is stacked from top to bottom, but they had competitions at the quarterback position. And Alabama quarterback, Jalen Milroe, proves he is the best option in a 56 to 7 win over middle Tennessee. But Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord, has some work to do following a 23-3 win over Indiana. Now you're saying 20-point win. That's that's a lot. Well, it should have been more because this is Ohio State. And finally, Georgia began their route to a threepeat with a 48-7 win over Tennessee Martin. Dad, I gotta go over to you, and I gotta I gotta ask you at that first one, Paul Finnebaum announcing that the Davo Sweeney dynasty in Clemson is over. Do you agree with that comment? <laughs> Well, I,
1: I I rarely agree with Finnbom, and anytime you have got an SEC reporter, sometimes they have a little anti-Clemson bias, just because sometimes people think Clemson because of its location is in the SEC, and even though it's not, I don't think that the that the dynasty is over. I'm not sure that Clemson and, and Dabo can continue to compete with with the SEC teams and the Ohio States and the Michigans every year. He doesn't have Trevor Lawrence. Um, but uh, he's a good coach, and Clemson's got a storied program. I don't think they're going to be in the CFP every other year or every year. I definitely think, though, he's going to continue to have a top 25 program, so I don't think the dynasty's over, but I don't see a national championship on Clemson's horizon anytime
0: soon. So you probably weren't completely invested in college football this weekend. It obviously was Labor Day weekend lots of family things going on, and I understand that. So that's why I'm going to catch you up on all of the Big 12 games. We're going to do it quick because, yes, this is blowout week. I'm now nicknaming that, even if nobody else is nicknaming that, that is me. But we're going to start with a non-blowout. We're going to start off with probably the biggest Big 12 game of the week with Colorado, future Big 12, yin I don't know, beats number 17, TCU 45-42. We're going to get more into that game in a second, but basically that was Coach Prime's first game. Lots of hype behind him. I'm going to share some stats that just blew my mind following the rest of these uh, of these Big 12 scores. BYU shuts out Sam Houston 14-0, while West Virginia falls to number 7 Penn State 38-15. But I was impressed with West Virginia's first half. Wyoming takes down Texas Tech in overtime 35-33 and Texas State upsets Baylor 42-31. Those were the two other two big upsets. Houston survives a scare against UTSA, 17-14, and Oklahoma State takes care of business in Central Arkansas, 27 against Central Arkansas, 27-13. Number 20, Oklahoma plays a complete and dominant game on both sides. That's important in blowout week uh, versus Arkansas State, 73-0. Iowa State beats Northern Iowa to go 1-0 on the season, with a win 30-9. And number 11, Texas, hands Rice a loss. To start the year as favorites to win the Big 12, they won 37-10. Cincinnati blows out Eastern Kentucky 66-13. UCF explodes for 56 points versus Kent State. And K-State shuts out Southeast Missouri State 45-0. And finally, Kansas football survives the scare early, but eventually blows out Missouri State 48-17. Let's go back to that Colorado game. Coach Prime and the Colorado Buffs, his first game, nine months of hype, and they take down number 17, TCU, in Fort Worth. Coach Prime's sons, one on the offensive side and one on the defensive side. Shadur on the offensive side at the quarterback position, and the defensive side was a, uh, he's a linebacker safety. But Shadur, the quarterback, had 510 yards, a Colorado record, and four touchdowns, while Shiloh she, Shiloh had 10 tackles, nine of those unassisted. But I think the stat that everybody has been looking at is not necessarily Prime's kids. It's Travis Hunter, this dual threat offensive defensive player. He had 119 yards receiving and an interception on defense. That was a total. He played a total of 129 snaps. There were 160 snaps in the entire game, and he played 129 of them. I would say don't be surprised if he's the first of many players. There's lots of incredible athletes that are coming out of high school now that can play both sides of the ball but are encouraged to focus on one. This guy's proving that you can. A lot of people think they can, but you're, there are people out there that work like Dion that have a chance to play, and Dion's saying, hey, if they're telling you just focus on one, come over here. It's a recruiting thing, and I don't think this weekend could have gone any better for Colorado football. Is Coach Prime real? Is the Colorado, Colorado Buffs real? Are they going to win a national championship? How far does this go? Well, I can say with absolutely, so absolute certainty that I don't
1: know. And what I mean by that is we have to look at what we have with TCU. We don't have the team that played for the national championship last year. We do have a good football team. They're well coached. The thing about the Colorado game is it will be iconic in this new landscape of college football that relates to the transfer portal that NIL deals about, in essence, free agency and building a team from scratch. No longer do you have to wait to year three or four until a coach, quote-unquote, has his players. That game will be an iconic statement in the, in the paradigm shift in college football as it, as it relates to roster alignment. But I want to talk about Hunter for just a second because his, his performance was absolutely impressive, and that goes back to the recruiting and the flip from Florida State. But you talked about it wanting to be a recruiting tool. You can't take out of the equation the fact that Coach Sanders wants to be in the spotlight. He gave himself prime time as a nickname. Now, Hunter's play not only is a reflection of, of Sanders as it relates to recruiting, but also Dion loves people remembering that he went both ways in the pro game. Uh, he played receiver a lot as a slot back and as a corner. So he likes anything that will remind people of what he did in his playing career. So is Colorado the real deal? I don't know. Uh, I I don't know. I think they've got some talented. I think the most significant stat is that Sanders threw zero interceptions against a pretty good defense in TCU. So clearly they're a good football team. Um, When you win, your players buy in. So if they didn't buy in before this, I think they're going to buy in now. But as it comes to Colorado – um, I think they're a good football team. And, and we can't overlook that Dion won at Jacksonville State. like He, he won as a coach. So um, he might have figured something out.
0: Well, one of the things that I've heard was he's been coaching some of these kids forever. And he's coaching his kids forever. And he loves coaching. He really does. Some people are saying that he's enjoying it more than anything else he's done in his career. He's been a media and actual in the game he's been playing. Now, Travis Hunter didn't have a touchdown reception, and that's not a big deal. But I think the big thing that you have to look at is he was being guarded by one of the best corners in the nation. And you said that TCU's defense is good. But that allowed, and I think I think this is how Colorado's going to succeed, one defender's not enough because that allowed freshman running back Dylan Edwards to have three touchdowns. He's a running back, and he had 135 yards receiving only on five receptions. That's crazy, and that's just because you know you took a superstar and you shut him down. He had 119 yards, so you don't really shut him down. But that's how Colorado's going to succeed this year when their stars are taken care of. Who else can step up? And he's really been a surprise for them. And I think all of Colorado Buffs Nation hopes that he steps up again. Now, they're going to have their home opener against Nebraska and Matt Rule. Now, Matt Rule and Nebraska just lost to Minnesota. It's so their own one to start the season. So CFP's obviously probably never on Nebraska fans' minds. But how does this game go? Nebraska's not ranked. So does Dion want to blow them out, or do you think it's going to be a close game?
1: I don't think it'll be close. Minnesota's an okay football team, but Nebraska's got a lot of work to do. The stadium in Boulder is going to be electric. The ticket prices are, are through the roof. And I realize the average age of your audience may not remember, but Colorado and Nebraska as a big A rivalry was a huge rivalry. Even Gary Barnett, when he was coaching Colorado and tried to get his two lost Buffaloes into the national championship after the game with Nebraska, it is a long history rivalry. And so the fact that they're renewing that, um, all of the hype around the the, the shift in Colorado, uh,
0: it's it's not close. Colorado wins by at least twenty. So the hype is real. They, how I mean, how far does this go? Because they're not going to win every single game that they play. I just don't understand. Like it's kind of like I mean we'll get to it or we talked about last episode the Jets. Like how far does the hype go? Because people will say that they're champions in everything and everything that they do. Colorado's not going to win every game because if they do, they'll be in the CFP. They're not going to win every game.
1: And it goes back to kind of the difference we talked about earlier with college football and the NFL. You talk about the Jets hype. Hype will only get you so far in the complexity and the speed of the NFL game. But hype in the sense of this college football game where Nebraska now, in their practice all week, they're asking themselves, how good is Colorado and how are we going to stop Colorado? but it's going to be the college atmosphere. The stadium is going to be going crazy in one of the most beautiful settings in college football. It's, it's going to be the kind of thing where the emotion and the hype of the moment, as soon as Colorado scores, especially if they score quickly, Nebraska will just break. Because I don't think Nebraska believes they can beat Colorado. You're not going to see that in the NFL. No matter how good Aaron Rodgers is, I guarantee you every NFL defense believes they can shut the Jets down.
0: That's true, and with the CFP argument, they have to go through Oregon and Washington and all those other Pac twelve teams. That, I, do they play USC? I don't have the Colorado. Yes, schedule and Utah. Asked. Like they, they have they have quite a they have quite a schedule. I I don't know. If there's possible that they don't face one of those four schools, but those are Pac twelve schools that in this last year of the Pac twelve, everybody's fighting for that final title, and in reality, it's going to be very difficult for a team that has holes. Colorado is not perfect. They have a ton of holes, and really, it's a miracle that they beat such a good D- TCU defense. And so, it will be interesting as we as the college football season continues. We have the opportunity, both of us, to be at the K-State and Kansas football game. Let's start with K-State. I have to ask, running backs, it, personally for me, I think the running backs in both games showed out very well, but the running backs at K-State showed promise to replace Deuce Vaughn. Six round pick to the Dallas Cowboys. And this was led by Trishon Ward and DJ Giddens. What did you see from the running back room at K-State?
1: I saw a gap from Deuce Vaughn because Deuce Vaughn was a special player and he could create things and you couldn't really scheme against him. I think K-State, I think K-State's a good football team, and I think they're going to have a chance to compete for the Big 12 championship. I don't think their running backs are dynamic. I think they have an outstanding offensive line. But it's interesting when you look at K-State, and by the way, SEMO was a far inferior opponent, which is what happens a lot in week one. The, the thing about K-State that I, some of their fans are pretty excited about Avery Johnson, and don't get me wrong, he's fast and, and he's a dynamic player, but
0: Will Howard
1: is just a guy that wins football games and sometimes I think so many people fall in love with their stopwatches and their tape measures and they can't account for just someone who can win. Will Howard's a winner so I think K-State has a good season and I think they're in the running in the last couple of weeks to to win the Big
0: 12. Well I was going to ask about him because it was a special moment we were sitting there and I believe K-State was up 35-0 the final score was 45-0 and they took Will Howard of the game. And Avery Johnson came in for his first ever college football snap as a four-star recruit. And everybody just stood up and just started cheering and clapping. And it was like as if a six-year player who had done everything for the program was coming in for his last. I mean, the K-State fans believe that this is the future. And with the way that it works, they better keep him there. Because if he shows promise early in a Ohio State, Alabama offers him tons of money, like they gotta K-State's gotta make him wanna stay there. But he showed a lot of promise, I do think, with the running ability. But you're right, Will Howard is quite he's he's a winner, like you said. He he knows how to win, he knows how to control a football game, and that's what you need from a quarterback. Uh, let's let's go on to Kansas football. So Jalen Daniels, preseason Big 12 offensive player of the year, did not play because of lower back, uh, lower back issue. So Bean was in there and he did really well. I think he, he threw for 20, 22 for 28, 276 yards, and two touchdowns. That's good, but based on me being there, I was not as impressed with the stat. Like the stat line doesn't really show the incompletions and the poor mistakes that he made, similar to the games that he started when Daniels was injured. What did you see from the KU game against um, against Missouri State? So the K-State score was not really indicative of how much
1: of a blowout actually occurred on the field. The opposite is true in the KU game. It was closer than the score would tell you. But to give Leipold and the Jayhawks credit, they took care of business. I was at Turner Gill's opening game against an FCS team when the Jayhawks lost 6-3. to because of their inability to just line up and out, athlete the opponent that they should be dominating. So Leipold is obviously a phenomenal coach. The things that Anthony Bean is a good quarterback. He's just not Jalen Daniels. Jason Bean. Sorry, Jason Bean. He's just not Jalen Daniels. He he looks good. He's confident. He's definitely got speed. But he had a couple of throws that wide open receivers had to come back and and the ball almost hit the ground and you're not going to be able to do that against big 12 defenses. So I think KU can win with Bean. Um, they could, they could compete for the big 12 title with Daniels. So, so we'll see. I will say Missouri state, in my opinion, is a better football team than Southeast Missouri, but um, we're, we'll see. It's going to be a great test this coming week. Both KU and Illinois are the same in the, others getting votes they're very similar teams had good seasons last year we're going to learn a lot this Friday night
0: yeah like you said we had a lot we have a lot to work on but the big things that I saw was the defense looked okay in the first half we should have been steamrolling them but we weren't but the big thing for the defense was we had missed tackles and the main thing was bad communication in the secondary when we were running zone we just couldn't communicate very well on this is my spot this is your spot this catch was made in your area, but I was supposed to be helping. Like that, those were the issues that we we're having with communication. Much better, much better pressure from the D line
1: and the linebackers on the quarterback. We're still struggling with a mobile quarterback, which Illinois has. So again, we'll see. It'll be fun. All
0: right, we're gonna go on to NFL because NFL is one day away. We're gonna finish our four-way stop around the NFL with the AFC and NFC West preview. We've gone through all six other divisions uh, over the last month or so, and we're going to finish with my, my personal favorite divisions because, you know, the Chiefs. But we're going to start on the NFC side with Arizona. And I have to add, I have to ask, but I also want to say, quarterbacks that are in college football, we were just talking about them, they need to start shopping for houses in Glendale mm-hmm. because Kyler Murray is not playing the first four games and possibly doesn't play at all, which means a possible taking, but just drastic, dramatically difficult, horrible, all the words describing the Cardinals' season. And if Houston and Arizona do really bad, it is quite possible that Arizona gets their choice of a quarterback, which this is a good quarterback class, and it's going to be the last one for a little while, and they get Marvin Harrison Jr. That would be a pretty incredible spot for them because they have Houston's first-round pick. But is it true that Arizona has nothing to look forward to, or do you think they have a chance to possibly be competitive when Kyler Murray comes back?
1: Well, I don't think any team tanks in the beginning of the year. I I do think there's some teams in the last couple of weeks of the season that might tank. The Cardinals are not good. Even with Kyler Murray, they're just not good. But again, it's the NFL, and I think Cardinals fans and Cardinals organization think if we can go two and two in the first quarter of the season, we'll... 17 games, not a quarter anymore, the first four games of the season, then getting back Kyler Murray will be a spark. They, they're receiving court. Brown is past his prime. Um, and Moore uh, more shown flashes of brilliance, but he can't sustain it. Connor is a serviceable running back. They just they don't have the horses. So even in the League of Parity, it's going to be real tough for Arizona to even – flirt with 500. So unless they go two and two, three and one and win their first game back with Murray, it's going to be a long season.
0: On to Seattle. In Seattle last year, they had Geno Smith, who has the best completion percentage out of all quarterbacks. Do you think Geno Smith can put out the exact same season or even top last year's season? No, no. And that's it?
1: Geno Smith absolutely peaked last year. And I. I want Geno Smith to do well. I love the story of someone that's been down, even when he showed his immaturity on draft night walking out of the room. But last night was, or last season, was was something special for him. And largely the product of an absolutely amazing receiving core. I don't think he's going to be able to produce that again. I don't think the line's going to give him the time. He doesn't have the agility to, to get outside the pocket and make plays. I think it's a, a down season for Geno
0: Smith and you mentioned that receiving corps is elite, but that was DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but they went out and the Seahawks added a receiver this year with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who had very limited college experience with the exception of a phenomenal sophomore year at Ohio State. Now he goes into the season, he is injured, so he won't play probably week one. I don't know how long that injury goes. I don't think anybody does, But when he gets healthy, is this the best wide receiver room in the league? No. And we have to say no
1: because we don't know his overall talent. We know what he can do. Look at the hype on Sky Moore last year with the Kansas City Chiefs. End of the season, all right, but there's a lot of bumps. The adjustment to the speed of the game, I think it's a larger jump than any other professional sport when you go from college to the pros. And so I think he'll probably end up being a very good receiver in the NFL but I would not expect him to even compete, even to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year this year.
0: So in San Francisco, they're probably very excited because the NFL changed a rule just for them. In the NFC Championship, all of their quarterbacks just started dropping like flies, and so they changed a rule in which you can have another quarterback, a practice squad quarterback, that is eligible. So you technically can have three, a third, I believe, and a third or fourth, I don't know. There's some new deal because of that game. But the biggest question I would say in San Francisco is can Brock Purdy or whoever is in the quarterback position stay healthy?
1: Well, there's no way to know if they're going to stay healthy. I think Brock Purdy showed last year that he can, he can win games, just like we talked about Howard at K-State. You say that they changed that rule with the Niners. They changed that rule for the NFL. And they can call it the Phillip Rivers rule because that's who they were talking to about possibly coming in and playing when they didn't know if they were going to have a quarterback. But ultimately, the NFL loves the passing game. The NFL loves the touchdowns. The NFL does not want quarterbacks like Taysom Hill, who are going to get behind center and run around a couple of times. And that's what a team has to do if they've lost all three of their quarterbacks. So this new NFL rule ensures that even if it's someone as
0: old and broken down as Philip Rivers, someone's going to be able to come in to throw the ball around. And I'm surprised in that game that McCaffrey wasn't they, – they put him in like a wildcat formation, but I wish they would have let him pass because he's a good passer. So on to the Rams. And I think the biggest question for them, it's kind of the same, San Francisco, is will they stay healthy? And There's no way that you're going to be able to answer that. But what goes right for them and what could go, possibly go wrong? in a two absolutely separate seasons. What goes right for them is, as much as I don't really
1: want to like him, McVay may be the second-best coach in the game right now. And that's what goes right for them. Stafford's year two years ago when they won the Super Bowl was, was lightning in a bottle. And not just the numbers he was able to put up, but not having to face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Because of their collapse against the Bengals, they just they just caught lightning in a bottle. They're a good team, and with Donald on the line, even though he's getting older, and you know, Cooper Cup's healthy, arguably the second best receiver in the game. Some people would say the best. So what goes right is Cooper Cup's healthy. Donald has one more season before he really starts to decline in his uh, agility, but. I'm not sure Stafford can reproduce what he did. He's he's thrown the ball so much. Because when he was in Detroit, he just ask anybody that had a fantasy football team in the in the early 2010s, and you wanted Matthew Stafford, even though the Lions were horrible because he threw the ball so much. I think his I think his body and even his mind from a concussion standpoint, I I think
0: Stafford's hurting. All right, with the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals, what is your projected order uh, their projected finish order in the NFC West? Well,
1: I have to go with the Niners to win it. Frankly, I think Shanahan has been knocking at the door for so long, he may be ready to to break it down. And unfortunately for him, breaking it down may mean me a matchup again with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But I think he's gonna. I think they're gonna win the division. I think they're barely gonna take it, believe it or not, over the Rams. Um, I do think the Rams maximize their ceiling and finish second. Um, I think that the Seahawks are in the conversation for a while but with Geno Smith's inability to lead them, they finish third. And, and I think
0: the Cardinals will finish fifth. <laughs> so you're saying the Rams ceiling is second place in the division. I think that's a good estimate. All right, on to the AFC West. We've gone through now we're talking all the seven divisions, all the seven other divisions. We're finally to the AFC West. Let's start with Las Vegas. Will the drama ever stop? Question mark. That's my big question. Chandler Jones just posted on his Instagram stories that he got locked out of facilities on Labor Day, which is kind of ironic if you think about it. And he got very frustrated at the head coach Josh McDaniels, and the GM there's some issues there. Darren Waller left because of some issues, and now it's with the Giants. Devontae Adams had some issues last year when they benched Derek Carr and with the same issue. Derek Carr had some issues. He basically left just because he was had so many problems with that coaching staff. McDaniels really needs to show that his culture is worth something because right now nobody likes it. And this most recent issue with Chandler Jones... Just proves that. So this season needs to be going well for him, and I really don't think it will. But the question is, will the drama ever stop? No. Absent the Madden years, the Raiders are a
1: train wreck of an organization. They always have been. Whether Al Davis is there or his or his family, it's a train wreck. It's a mess of an organization. Devontae Adams is unbelievably talented. Josh Jacobs is a lot better than people give him credit for. We've got a good team. It's a train wreck of an organization. There's no leadership. McDaniels can't win. He, he,
0: he gets in his own way. Uh, Raiders finished last. I think his years with Tom Brady has kind of given him a big head. And his success on the heels of what Tom Brady did has really changed his perspective on how he coaches.
1: Josh McDaniels and Charlie Weiss both have the same amount of Super Bowl wins without Tom Brady. <laughs>
0: All right, so on to the Chargers. And with the Chargers, Tom Tom, uh, Telesco, their GM, I think is put together an all-star team. From the position groups to the defense, there are so many stars on this team. This is one of my favorite teams to play with on Madden, because they just have so many stars from top to bottom. You know, Justin Herbert, quarterback, Austin Eckler, running back, they have two now maybe three with Clinton Johnson elite receivers and on the defensive side they have they have Derwin James and they have Joey Bosa. like this is an elite all-star team and yet they can't make they can't make it to playoffs and win a game. so they can't win a playoff game yet. It's it's kind of like all-star games in like the Olympics. it's the teams that have the most success are the ones that have chemistry. Do you think the Chargers get over the hump this year and finally develop some type of chemistry with this all-star team that they have? Well, I don't know what you're
1: defining as hump. I think they're gonna they're gonna have a good team. They're gonna make the playoffs. You know, it's ironic we just moved from the, a division where we talk about coaches like McVeigh, Shanahan, and we're talking about the Raiders coach and Staley, and and that's really the issue with the Chargers. If you tell me I can have my own NFL franchise tomorrow and I can have any quarterback I want except Patrick Mahomes, I go with Justin Herbert with the quarterbacks that are available right now. He's going to win games and if Williams can stay healthy, he's got a really good receiving core. Derwin James is just nasty defensively. And and they're a team that they're a team that nobody wants to play. They're difficult. It really is just injuries are their
0: only limit this year. Injuries and Chiefs. Yeah. In Denver, this is a kind of remade team. This is a new philosophy, new head coach. Sean Payton takes over the Denver Broncos, who were the laughing stock of the AFC West last year, who basically sold the entire farm for Russell Wilson, and he looked pitiful in his first year. Do you think Russell Wilson turns it around this year? And because of that, is Sean Payton to blame in a positive way? So will Sean Payton remake the Broncos and Russell Wilson this year? Absolutely.
1: And that's why I have the Broncos finishing ahead of the Raiders in the division. Hackett viewed Wilson as a savior and someone who would take the team on his back and lead them to the AFC West Championship. Russell Wilson is not that player anymore. Russell Wilson was pretty good in Seattle, but in his early years, especially his Super Bowl, he had the Legion of Boom. He had an unbelievable defense. Sean Payton, while I think gets a little more credit for the Saints win, um, I think people underestimate the real value of Drew Brees being able to take a team on his back and win it. He's a good football coach, and he's going to reshape what Russell Wilson is. And what that is is he's going to become a game manager. And Russell Wilson, as a game manager, I think they can win some games. I think Judy's poised to have a decent season if Wilson's playing the role of game manager. I think the absolute sleeper running back in the NFL is Javante Williams. I think he's poised for a breakout season. I think if he's healthy. He's an All-Pro running back this year, and with that, Sean Payton's going to be able to craft that into serviceable, managing games with Russell Wilson, and I
0: think I think they go nine and eight. He looked really good, Williams did, uh, before getting that season-ending injury. But on the defensive side, you have a young but good defensive team led by young corner Pat Tan, the second, and I think that. They have a legitimate chance to not be the legion of a boom, but to put up defensive numbers. You have to have a defense so the offense can produce. All right, on to the Chiefs. There's a couple extra questions here because this is focusing on the Chiefs. But the first question is, when does the Chris Jones deal get done? Chris Jones deal doesn't get done.
1: Brett Veach has already moved on. And he hasn't moved on in the sense that he is done with Chris Jones, but he's already viewed, he's already done the math on the salary cap issues, and he understands extending beyond the offer they've made at this point. Puts the, je- puts the franchise in real jeopardy. Brett Veach wants him, Andy Reid wants him, everybody wants him, but Veach, and this is why he's so successful, has understood the market and what the long-term forecast is. So while I will argue Chris Jones is the second most important player on this team above Travis Kelsey, um, they're done. They won't reach a deal. Chris Jones will wait. I don't know the mathematical magic reason why he picked week eight, but he's back by week eight,
0: and he's part of a Super Bowl run to then on to another team next year. Well, you said – you kind of just answered my question. I was going to ask who's the bigger loss, Chris Jones, or Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey just hyperextended his knee in practice, and he's questionable for the season opener. So you answered Chris Jones there, I'm guessing, is what you were saying. I have to ask, if Chris Jones doesn't play, which is now likely, who do you think on the pass rush side steps up? Naughty. (laughs) Uh, You know, the –
1: the problem is this, and this, frankly, this is why I think you're going to see a close game in the opener. I know it's the opening game, there's a lot of hype, it's at Arrowhead, but it's going to be close because Chris Jones probably commands 30 to 40% of a defensive coordinator's preparation. You have to figure out how you're going to try to contain Chris Jones. You know you can't one-on-one him because he'll destroy you. And teams that try to block double team, they try to fill a gap, things that they're just not really putting a second man on him but they're accounting for him, that frees up so much. Chris Jones is one of the reasons why Nick Bolton is all over the place like he is. You're taking that away, and that's going to be problematic. I know that we may not have Kelsey in the game, Uh, I think the Chiefs beat the Lions, but it's going to be a close game. And really, I think the only reason the Chiefs prevail is because the Lions' main corner is out. Can you give me your score prediction on that game? Well, you're not going to see a defensive clinic from either team. So I'll go with 35-31 Chiefs.
0: Okay, close game. So staying with the Chiefs, but moving to the offensive side, over the entire season... Who will step up in the wide receiver room? We have no stars, but we have legitimate, good, solid wide receivers from top to bottom. Any of them can be a great wide receiver, too, anywhere else. But they're playing the wide receiver A, B, C, you know, for any read. Who in this room will step up this year? No one has to. And the reason why no one has to is... A compliment to
1: the ability for Mahomes to play the game. All the receivers for the Chiefs have to do is not step down. When the Tyreek Hill trade came down, it was great news for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill is an amazing athlete, but the Chiefs didn't need him. And frankly, Mahomes had become a little reliant on just kind of throwing it up and having Tyreek Hill go get it. Last season, you saw, in my opinion, the finest season Mahomes has had because he didn't have that safety valve. He created space. Granted, he got a lot of help out of the backfield with receiving cores, and he's got Travis Kelsey, but the point is this. Mahomes is going to read the defense, react, and he's going to put the ball where it needs to be. These receivers don't have to make plays. They don't have to step up. They just can't step
0: down when the ball's coming to them. All right, so we had the... Privilege to be at the first round of the draft this year, as it was held in Kansas City. But over the entire draft class of twenty twenty three for the Chiefs, who do you think will be the poster child of this draft for Brent Beach?
1: Felix, not just because he's first, not just because he's local. I think he, I think he fills a need. I think he can solidify a defense. I think he's hardworking. Uh, I think he's going to be here for a while, and uh, I think without a doubt,
0: Felix. Well, I agree with everything he just said. As you watch the game, and as you watch the first couple weeks of the Chiefs, don't expect him to be getting two sacks a game. He is going to be playing a very conservative role and is probably not going to get a large percentage of snaps just because of the situation he is in. But as the season goes on, like Curlapis last year, you're going to start to see him more, and you're going to start to see how athletic and how good he is. And I'm really excited to see what he can do for our team this year. All right, let's finish out this AFC West preview. With your projected finish of these four teams Kansas City, Denver, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas? And I think if you
1: listen to how I've categorized them, I've already answered that. I think the Raiders come in last, the Broncos move up to third, the Chargers are nipping at the Hills for second, and the Chiefs won the division again.
0: All right, let's finish out this show. I'm gonna give, I'm gonna start a new segment. I feel like this is gonna be a fun one. It's kind of fun for me because. This, you know, there's a lot of football going on. There's a lot of NFL games, a lot of college games that are going on all at once. But I decided to pick six, uh, six games over this upcoming weekend, September 8th through September 11th. And if you're not really sure which games to watch, here are my top six games that you, if you have time to, should watch. At number six, I'm going to be a little bit biased, but I'll explain why it's kind of on the edge. I have Illinois at Kansas, and here's why. This is an extremely even game. Both sides are not top-ranked teams, but they're very even, and it's going to be interesting to see what both of these teams can do. We already kind of talked about that game, but going into the game, Illinois has a 58% chance to win, according to ESPN. So I don't know how much that means, how much that means to you, but the... 58% 58% means you know, it's pretty even, and at home, Kansas will have a lot to prove, so I think that will be a very good game. At number five, I have number 20, Ole Miss, at number 24, Tulane. Those are two good teams. Uh, it's very even, and they're both trying to fight to move up. I think it's the only ranked matchup this weekend. It's, there's only two, and that's that's one of them. Number four, we have, I have a tie between the Dolphins at Chargers and the 49ers at Steelers, and here's why I have a tie. The Dolphins at Chargers is going to be a very high offense game. So if you want to watch that, that's a great option. But on the other side, 49ers at Steelers, that's going to be legitimate, two legitimate good defenses. And I think that's, if I had to choose, that's the game i choose because I want to see how good the Steelers are going to be this year. And one game is not going to be indicative of that of the entire season, but it will be a sign. And number three, I'm going with the Lions at the Chiefs. Uh, it's two high-powered offenses with the beginning of the NFL. There's a lot of drama behind Not even drama, but there's just a lot of hype behind the game. And I think it will be really entertaining. And it's Thursday night football, so it's one of the only options. And number two, I have the only other college football ranked-ranked matchup. And that's number 11, Texas, at number three, Alabama. Uh, I forgot about that and this game has quite a bit of drama. Last year, the game was held at Texas. And Texas offered... So every, every school is required to have a section just for the opposing fans and the opposing band in some situations. This contract allowed for a band to come to play on offense, I believe. And so Texas said, okay. And they seated Alabama and their band in the top, top, top area of their bowl, of their stadium, the very top, and the Alabama band boycotted. They did not show up. Uh, didn't matter because Alabama did win twenty nineteen, but this year Alabama did the exact same thing. Texas fan is uh, is supposed to is is likely to still show up, but there is already some heating. There's already some drama on the front side of the front off. Op- on the front office and the administration of both schools, but it's also just gonna be a really good football game. These are two top of their uh, conference uh, teams that, and in, in reality. Texas, this is their only option at CFP. They have to win this game. If they don't win this game, unless Alabama's number one, they are going to have a really tough road, especially with the Big 12, to get into the CFP. Before we get to number one, what do you see in that game? and Is that a game that you're interested in watching? It's a game that I'm
1: interested in, and I, I wanted to avoid starting any sentences with this, but I have to say that back when I was your age, college teams could tie and georgia tech arguably lost out on a national championship because they went 10-0-1 one year i wish college teams could still tie because nothing would give me more pleasure than to see texas and alabama tie and mess each other's seasons up so am i interested in it yes are there? Two teams in college football I loathe more than those two? Probably not. So I'm just hoping that they institute a new rule before Saturday and they can both tie and mess each other's seasons
0: up. The only one you would probably loathe more is Missouri. I forgot about that. On to number one, I think this could be one of the biggest games in these first couple weeks of football, and that's the Bills at Jets. There is so much behind the Jets right now. I mean, Hard Knocks, Aaron Rodgers, Mike Greenberg talking about, like, everybody. The New York – it's New York media. Of course they're going to be all in on it. And then it's on Monday Night Football. That is just so much going on, so much hype. And it's a good game. Bills – Bills are a good football team every year, and it's against the rebranded young, uh, trending, whatever, hype Jets. Like, there is so much – they're such different teams, but they, on paper, are pretty even with the Bills slightly having an advantage. But all of that, Monday Night Football, everything, entire national spotlight on them. In New York on 9-11, this is going to be a big deal for the New York fans. And I have to ask, what, what do you think the outcome of this game is and how much do you think this means to New York fans? Bills are the better football team.
1: Jets win the game. And the Jets win the game because it's going to be an offensive display. But the Jets right now, you're going to see in the first couple weeks of the season, you're going to see a New York-style response like you saw with the Giants last year for their coach. That coach has the team bought in. Yeah, everybody's excited about Aaron Rodgers, but at home on Monday night, if you were a gambling person, and I know you're not, you would learn that the number one bet in all of sports is a home underdog on Monday night. Statistically, teams at home in the NFL on Monday night find a way to win. And when you combine 9-11, even though the Bills offense is amazing, Bills are the better team. The Bills will have a
0: better record at the end of the season. The Jets win to start. All right. We're going to finish up this episode. And I want you just to listen for a second because we love, I love, making these episodes for you. So go follow us on Spotify, follow us on Instagram. But here's a new thing that I don't think a lot of people know about. We have a website and it's not a super high quality website, but we have, I, I've written a couple articles on there. We have some articles, but we have a writer. His name is uh, Jake Lazen. And he, he is studying. He's in college right now to learn how to do this. And he is... His articles are pretty legitimate, and I enjoy them every single week. He usually talks about the Royals. He's covering KU football, uh, Chiefs football, and K-State football sometimes uh, on the side, but he's really going in-depth on on the Royals, and it's hard to cover the Royals right now, so I commend him for that. And then the second thing is go subscribe on YouTube. We just started our channel. I think we're going to – I'm planning on having some kind of – Exclusive content there. But that is a really great opportunity once once we start to get into football season to see some more content if you're not following on Instagram. And then this is what I'm really excited about. On, on ESPN Fantasy, so obviously you have fantasy football team, stuff like that, there's an option where you can make game picks for the NFL. And so I created a, a lobby type thing that you can go join. And the link will be in the description of this episode. And if you would like, you can click on that link completely free. This is just for fun. And you click on that link, and you make your game picks each week, and there will be a leaderboard. And we just want to have a community of people making picks. We already have a bunch of people in the lobby uh, already making your picks. You have to lock in your picks for week one by before the Chiefs game starts on Thursday night, but you can, you can still join after that. That's a really cool opportunity. For you to show off your sports knowledge or prove someone wrong, send it to your friends. It's a great opportunity just to have some fun picking games. There's no money involved on ESPN. So that link is in our description. Look for new episodes on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. That's our goal is to put a weekly episode out Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. It won't be this random sporadic deal that we're doing right now. Uh, So look for that. Alright, so Jude's not here, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to take over a quote of the day. And this is, I had to go with a football quote, and I, yes, I just Googled this. It wasn't something special or spoke to me, but here we go. So, as you're watching the games, remember this quote. The amazing thing about football is that after a while, you become more than a team. You become brothers, and out there on the field, brotherhood is a stronger force than any team. Ben husband via Google. So I thought that quote was cool, and I thought that was a good option as we head into week one of the NFL. So we will see who can come together as a brotherhood through this week in the entirety of this season. Football is back. Enjoy it.